Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Welcome to another edition of Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner, attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson, and we are in studio here with a couple of guests. We have Savannah sitting to my right. She is my office manager and uh, someone who makes things go very smoothly in the firm, but I take all the credit for everything that she does. Welcome, always, Savannah. Always, right? <laughs> Good morning. And then we have Anna Karen sitting across from me, and she is going to help with the production and make sure that uh, we sound good and look good on our YouTube channel as well as uh, over the radio on the podcast. And then directly to, uh, well, in front of me to my right, we've got Cody Beeson. Welcome, Cody. Good morning. How you doing? So, Cody, um, we want to start out the morning and uh, with a little bit of humor. So, what do you got for us? Hey, uh, well, thank you, thank you for allowing me to uh, plug. You know, the nine to eight comedy shows. We we had a, a sold out show last week with our wow, congratulations! Yet, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Well, who was the biggest comedian yet? Uh, Willie Barsena. Willie Barsena. He's he's a uh, he's on Prime and Netflix and Showtime. Like he, he he wanted to come down here and do Yuma. So, who organizes this? Are you the organizer? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, and your yeah. company is? 928 Comedy. So for those of you that want to put on an event and have um, a comedy event, call 928 Comedy. Oh, I guess we could do that. Yeah, I just right? do my own shows, but I guess we could do that for other people too. <laughs> like a quinceanera or a... Yeah, if you want one at, at your quinceanera, we do that. that. that I don't know. Do they have comedy events? I, I haven't no. been to a lot of quinceaneras. No, Meaning. sir, we do not have comedy. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well. I mean, that will be a change, but you, no. Okay, well, if you're just having a fun party and you want some laughs, call 928 Comedy and Cody Beeson's your man. Or, or come to our next show, Alex Hooper at the Crest. Okay, what day? Uh, June 16th. June 16th, Alex Hooper at the Crest. Take a ton sale. Great. All right. Um, but thank you, though, because on Friday I, I started with, with this one. And it, it basically, because I learned, like, you should tell people about yourself. Use that five minutes to, to tell them something honest about you. And honestly, I'm a dog person. I'm a dog person because I don't have kids. And I don't, I don't want kids. That's a lot of responsibility. You guys have kids. And you're on the hook for life. All right. I, when I leave, I can keep my dogs in a kennel. You can't do that with your kids. There's a phone number. People call if you do that, <laughs> right? You can't tell people that you do that. I, I, we celebrate dog Christmas, which uh -huh. is like a couple days after normal Christmas when everything is 90% off. Yeah. Yeah. Dogs don't know what a calendar is. Well, that's awesome. You can't do that with the kids. You're going to scar them for life if they have Christmas on the 27th. I've tried it. doesn't I, work. <laughs> right. Anyways, you can spend so much effort and energy and do everything right for your children, but then they spend too much time at grandma and grandpa's house, repeats grandma's word for Brazil nuts. Now you're responsible for raising a little racist. <laughs> Okay. Yes, and uh, you know, I've uh, I was gonna say a comment about that, but I'm not going to. Don't need to. <laughs> so, Grandma, and Grandpa can always be counted on for uh, all the things that we get uh, blamed for for the way our kids are raised. But you know what? They did a pretty darn good job with me. So, what can I say? Yeah, right. Um, I want to move on and talk a little about a little antidote. One of my all-time heroes is Abraham Lincoln. Now, I like history. I wouldn't say I'm a history buff because I have a terrible memory. I read a lot of history, but I have a hard time calling it to memory when I need to. But um, I read a lot of Abraham Lincoln about um, his life and biography. And so I want to start doing a quote from him on a regular basis. This isn't an actual 
actually a quote, but it is a story um, near the end of his life that uh, he encountered and was written down about him. It's about John P. Hale, who had been one of the few Republicans uh, in the Senate during Abraham Lincoln's presidency, who was flat-out abolitionist. Now, we, could, we take it for credit now that uh, Republicans were the abolitionist party uh, back in the 1860s. But there were a lot of people that had reservations about being very adamant about abolition, the, you know, getting rid of slavery. The Democratic Party was pro-slavery. They were forming the Ku Klux Klan at the time. They were. And in fact, the Ku Klux Klan was formed by a Democratic leader. However, um, all that's kind of lost to history, and, and um, ironically so. But this person, John P. Hill, he, his um, catchphrase was, free soil and free men. And he was an unapologetic abolitionist. And so when President Lincoln was going into his second term, he asked President Lincoln to be—he didn't get reelected, by the way. He wasn't popular enough to get reelected on that stance, free soil and free men. And so he wanted to seek an appointment in the cabinet with President Lincoln, and he, would, he wanted to get appointed to um, become an ambassador to Spain. And he wanted to take his family with him because his daughter— was in love with an actor, and he felt that the only way to get his daughter away from who he felt was a bad influence on her, this actor, was to take her over to Spain with him, and uh, turns out the actor was John Wilkes Booth. No kidding. <laughs> so, Irony. Yeah, so many ironies in the life of the great president, Abraham Lincoln. I want to move on and talk a little bit about 23andMe, speaking of ironies, there are a lot of people who go through the process of adoption, both in adopting children and giving up children for adoption. I love the concept of adoption because it shows that there is an effort to provide for a child who, for one reason or another, life circumstances didn't allow for the natural parents to raise them. And so adoption, I've participated in adoption, and... Um, it's been a wonderful miracle in my life. And we've got Savannah on our show that she's also participated in a form of adoption. In a form. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so what's coming up and becoming very popular are these, these searches that you can do with your DNA. 23andMe is a very popular one where you can just take a swab inside your cheek, I think, is where mm -hmm. they take yeah, the swab. I've, I've done it, mm -hmm. and uh, my wife bought me a, a package for my birthday and said, hey, I thought this would be really cool for you. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure why. <laughs> why? Yeah, I didn't want a real gift. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so um, I swabbed my cheek, sent it in, and um, it shows your ancestry. It shows where you're from, your roots, and it's, it's pretty neat to get a, a deeper connection as to where you're from. And she did it for each of our children, too. And, you know, fortunately, it showed that I was their father. So that was good. <laughs> was there any doubt, sir? <laughs> so we're not going to talk about that, Anna Karen. <laughs> That's for another show. Yeah. And um, so, Savannah, you've gone through a form of this. So I'm going to let you explain what your story is. So we actually went through artificial insemination. 
Okay. And for those of you that don't know the full process, it's actually two forms when you're actually getting any type of sperm donor or if you're even getting an, an egg donor, both routes. You can do anonymous just like you would in a closed adoption where you don't know who that person is and you can't ask for records on them. Then you can do an open one, same way as an open adoption where you know the information. So we went with the anonymous donor. Um, I carried, it was my egg, and I carried, and we used a sperm donor. Obviously, growing up, I know that I wasn't going to, my son knows, he's 13 now, he knows it was through a sperm donor, and he says that. He's like, oh, my sperm donor must have been this and that. My sperm donor must have been this and that. So I know he's curious, but it ends there. Um, he is very well loved by both me and we've gotten divorced since, so me and my ex, so no problem. He has two loving households. However, until 23 and me, I never would have imagined that he would ever be able to find out who that sperm donor is. We don't know who it is, so why would he, right? So now, thanks to 23andMe, he can, when he's an adult, search that person up and figure it out. Yeah, or that person could find him. Mm-hmm. Because if he does a 23andMe search, then and, and if your son is on that, now you have, I, I know there are different levels of privacy that you can select on that, but um, we've all seen that Sometimes it falls through the cracks and um, it gets exposed that you're related to somebody that you didn't know you're related to or you've got another child out there that you didn't realize that. We see that in our office when we're doing estate planning on probably a monthly basis. I have a client come in and I ask them about all their children. And then as soon as they've explained who all their children are, I go a little bit deeper. Well, are there any deceased children that you have? And they'll answer that question. And then I'll ask, are there any children that you're not telling me about? Any estranged children that you'd want to disinherit? We'll go over that. And I'll say, are there any other children? And so by this time, they're like, what are you getting at here? (laughs) And what I'm getting at is, has somebody done 23andMe and found a child out there? Or will they, if they do 23andMe? Or any other, I know there are other... um, companies that do this, but if they do a DNA test and you're in the databank, are they going to find you as a father? Now, some of them honestly answer no, and then a year later come back and say, guess what? I've got another son out there. Um, I was in this tour in Vietnam where I was here, there, or the other, and um, so we need to include them one way or the other in the estate plan, whether it's just acknowledging them that they are a child, but they're not going to receive an inheritance or providing an inheritance for them. So that's something that comes up often. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that keeps you awake at night? Not till recently. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Subject. Because we have had a case like that. Yeah. We had a case where, um, you know, someone was adopted out. And then after researching, we found out that they can, that adopted child can double dip, right? So they can, if they're a biological parent who gave up parental rights, um, you know, they assume there's no more parental rights, nothing to come about it. However, they can come after an inheritance for that. And in the flip side, they can come after the parents who adopted them. If that person passes away, they can also come after an inheritance there. So that's not what concerns me because, you know, great for the child. They get to double dip. But <laughs> what concerns me is if people want it closed or if people want it anonymous, keep it anonymous. Right. So the reality is sometimes it's not your choice. Mm-hmm. whether you want it anonymous or not. And if you're going to go on these things, sometimes it's just a gift 
it's almost a gag gift. It's like, well, let's see. Let's see where your ancestors are from. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, a whole bunch of things open up that you didn't know were going to be brought to light, and uh, you better be prepared for it. So you also, estate planning, you know, we're going to do a little plug for that because that's what we do. That's how we make our bread and butter. We don't make millions off of this podcast like our listeners may think. <laughs> um, but uh, so we want to make sure that the, the estate plan is covering all those individuals out there that could potentially claim as a legal heir. Like you said, we are mm-hmm. dealing with a case currently where we're finalizing the distributions of that. And um, yeah, the they didn't know of this uh, this child out there until the last minute. And the child would never have known either. But there was a legal obligation because we knew when we found it out Mm-hmm. That we had to notify the child. That's you under the law. You have to notify all heirs, and uh, unless you've done planning to specifically disinherit mm-hmm. any heirs that are the age of majority, so you, you can't disinherit a minor heir. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's an interesting thing because in Arizona, there's actually conflicting laws on that. Under one portion of the law, it says that once a child is adopted, it's as if they were born naturally to their adoptive parents, and their biological parents, their rights are completely severed. And so the biological parent cannot inherit from that child. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Um, However, you cannot sever the biological child's right to inherit from their parent, their biological parent. So just as you're talking about double dipping, they'll inherit generally, from their adoptive parents, and they can inherit from their biological parent. And that was the case here. Biological parent passed away. We found out about this biological child out there that had been adopted out, was still a minor. We had to notify the adoptive parents of that minor, and they inherited a sum of money. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a question. What if all of this gets, uh, like, say, the the whole process of the trust is is already gone through, and for some reason, this adopted child or this adopted out child is not found. Mm-hmm. Can they come back and contest, like, if like if they found out, like, say, that that uh, biological parent was a daddy big bucks per se, and they want now a piece of the inheritance because they're a child, like they are their biological child? Can they do that? Wow, that's I, you know I don't know of any court cases like that. Um, where the distributions have already gone out because generally when the distributions are gone, they're gone. Yeah. And so uh, technically, under the law, it would be upon the trustee to go back out to the beneficiaries that had received the distributions and call that money back, or at least a portion of the the heir mm-hmm. when what they're entitled to. So the default under the law for our listeners out there is if you don't mention a child specifically and disinherit them, or you, you can say it more generally, say, all other children that I'm not specifically mentioning here are hereby disinherited. And if you don't state that, then under the default law, they get to inherit the same amount as any other heir at the same level. So if they're a child and you have four other children and they're the fifth, they get a one-fifth mm-hmm. inheritance. So it's a big deal. That's why it's important to at least make a will and be very specific in the will that says who you want to inherit and disinherit anybody else, whether they're mentioned or not. It's it's clearer if you don't want somebody to inherit to mention their name. Mm-hmm. People sometimes feel like, well, that's just pouring salt in a wound. 
it's it may, but it may keep you out of court as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's an important thing to do, at least consider your options. A trust is even better because in a will, even if you disinherit somebody, you have to send notice upon the probate of that will. Wills get probated. Um, For those of you that don't know that, you can't take a will to a bank and get your inheritance. You can't take a will to a closing of an escrow of a house and get your portion of the sale Mm -hmm. of the house. You have to take the will to the court and have the the court acknowledge it and enter it into the probate system and appoint an executor or, as we call it here in Arizona, a personal representative. And then the court requires that all legal heirs whether they are named as a beneficiary or not, be notified that the will is being probated and give them the opportunity to bring up any issue that they may have, whether they felt like the the testator, the parent making the will, was under undue influence by this one child that's getting a bigger portion or whether they were senile while they made the will. That's the purpose of it. In a trust, it's much different. In a trust, you don't have to notify um, anybody that's not named as a beneficiary, with the exception of a minor child that's an heir. You can't disinherit the heir that's a minor child. You have a legal obligation to make sure they're provided for as well. At least there are minimum requirements mm-hmm. that they are provided for under the statute. We've got to take a break. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit YumaEstatePlanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. I'm in studio here with Savannah as our guest today. She is my office manager, and we've got Anna Karen, who is in charge of marketing, and Cody, who is a... Our radio guy, our our in-house comedian. Good morning. <laughs> our local comedian. And uh, he's keeping it lively here. So, Savannah, um, you've you've seen most of the cases that go through the firm. Yes. Thousands of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, any come to mind when we talk about this 23andMe and finding people who you didn't even know about, but now they're related to you and they're an heir to your estate? Yes, I wanted to take it back to Anna Karen's question. What happens if you have an heir out there, but you just can't find them, right? So about the adopted child that we didn't know about, you you know, severed your parental rights, but they are out there and they're a minor. They're entitled to an inheritance since you can't disinherit a minor. Well, there is a situation, several situations where we can't find these beneficiaries. 
they're heirs, they're entitled to something, but we just can't locate them. And that's no problem because there is a system in place for that. Um, every state has what's called unclaimed funds. And unclaimed funds is something that holds the inheritance. And it's not just for inheritance. Any asset that belongs to someone would go to unclaimed funds. So for Arizona, Arizona Department of Unclaimed Funds, and they would hold it. In Arizona, they hold it for up to 35 years. They have now, as an heir, 35 years to come forward and prove, I am that person. Give me my money. I've seen it with bank accounts, even when they close bank accounts and, you know, someone forgot they had a bank account somewhere. It was, you know, just sitting there at Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Then they'll send it to unclaimed funds, too. So anyone out there, if you want to search unclaimed funds, search your name. See if you have anything out there entitled <laughs> to you. And we do that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We do when we're doing a trust administration. Um, we talk about searching unclaimed funds. I did it just out of curiosity. And um, I found 1500 bucks that I had <laughs> stored in a retirement account from the Arizona State Retirement when I was working as a probation officer 25 years, not 25, 20 years ago. And uh, so it, it's one of those things. I heard a number just recently. It's $150 billion is currently held in the United States in unclaimed fund department. better look up my mm-hmm. name then. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny because a lot of clients say, well, the state's going to take it. The state's going to take it. And yes, funds can go to unclaimed funds, but the state doesn't take it for themselves. They don't want it for themselves. They want someone to go through the probate process and figure it all out for them, right? So a lot of people come in concerned about that. Well, if I do nothing, then the state's just going to come take my house. If I do nothing, all my bank accounts aren't going to my children. The state takes it. Right. So... We often talk about this. We go out into the community, like Cody. We put on shows. They're not as funny. They're not as entertaining. <laughs> They're more valuable, I'd say. <laughs> I don't you know, know. Keeping people out of court is pretty good. So we talk to them about putting their affairs in order. And uh, the number one reason why people don't get planning done that we really point out is procrastination. Mm-hmm. And we have clients that we, we educate them whether it's in this neutral location in, in a library in the foothills or library here in town or in our office, we educate them about why you shouldn't procrastinate about getting your estate planning done. And one of my favorite excuses that it, it is, in my mind, just procrastination is I need to talk to my kids first. I need to talk to my kids about how I'm going to divide up this house or how we're going to divide up the rental condo that's in San Diego, or who is going to be my power of attorney? I need to talk to my kids first. And that to me, if not just procrastination, is a fallacy in in your mind because your kids, you gave them life, right? They owe you everything. So if you tell them that they're going to be your personal representative, they better stand up to the plate and do it. Most of the times, they do. I mean, 99% of the time when we have an estate come in where a client has passed away and the child says, we need to have the will or the trust read to determine who's in charge and who's responsible for consolidating and distributing the assets, the person that we read out their name, they, this mantle comes upon them and they straighten their back and they say, okay, I'm going to do this. And even if somebody else comes in and says, you know, if you don't want to, I could do it. They don't. And even if they've got a lot on their plate, they really, they, they step up and they take on that responsibility. So 
the first lesson that I want to tell people out there, if you think you need to talk to your kids first about this, remember, you're calling the shots still. Your your death changes a lot, and your kids will step up to the plate most of the time. And if they won't, if there's a chance they're not going to. Now, life gets in the way sometimes. They could get sick or they could go through some serious financial or legal trouble then we're going to name a successor after them in case they're unable or unwilling to serve. But don't think that you need to have this family powwow and everybody get on the same page before you can get your estate planning in order. I think they just use it as an excuse, honestly, just just so that they don't have to think about the next step because uh, a lot of people don't like to think about mortality so they don't want to do that next step they don't and then it's like oh I, I have to talk to my kids because I get that a lot from the Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. community they're like always have to speak to the kids first and it and it's it, it's a constant like going back and forth it's like why do you need to speak with your kids it's your estate but um, it, it, like I said, I think it's just a wall that they build themselves just so they don't have to think about their own mortality. Bad omen, right? Yeah. Like if I think about it, it's going to happen. Yes. That- yeah. So Savannah, what have you run across as far as, because you, you see a lot of clients mm-hmm. and what we do is we collect the first half. We do flat fees. We collect the first half of the fee up front and then the second half when we complete the work. And some people, they postpone their signing of their plan and coming in and and paying that second half. What have you seen? What are some of the reasons that you've come across? Um, Traveling. So a lot of people, I'm leaving for the summer. Obviously, we live in Yuma, right? Mm -hmm. Or aside from that, if they're not snowbirds and they're not, you know, they're full-time residents, people take tons of time to take their family vacations. They're this and that. I'm going here. I'm going there. It can wait. Well, what happens if something takes place unfortunately during your travel time like then what you didn't put anything in place because you decided to push it along and say when I get back I'll get to it what what's the typical turnaround right now I know that we're a little bit backed up because we Mm -hmm. had an extra busy spring Mm -hmm. Um, for some reason we reopened uh, public seminars this year for the first time in three years after the COVID period and uh we had an outstanding response to that. We booked out most of our seminars um, in advance. Mm-hmm. All the RSVPs were booked out in advance, and then we had walk-ins that we had to turn away. And uh, so we had a lot of people coming out to, to do planning. We typically like to have a turnaround of two weeks. Yes. By the time I see them and they come in for their first appointment, we'd like to have the plan signed two weeks later. Where are we right now and, and how quickly can we get back to the two-week turnaround? Yeah, right now we're currently about five to six weeks out, mainly because of all of those seminars we did. We booked up so much. Mm-hmm. And um, we're hoping to, now that the summer slowed down a bit, to bring that back down, if not to the two weeks, at least to three weeks, Mark. Yeah. And now, if you didn't get a chance to watch, what we've done is we've actually um, postponed some of the seminars that were otherwise scheduled because we want to be able to give a lot of attention to the clients that come into us, make sure that we can turn around and get their planning done rather quickly. Two weeks is an optimal time for us because by the time they learn about all their options and start implementing those concepts and getting them written down and signed, Two weeks is enough time to keep it fresh in your mind. Mm-hmm. 
and it's not so quick that you feel like you're rushed. Correct. And so we found that we've done over 15,000 plans in the community, and we found that that's really the optimal time. You do it within three days, people feel like, oh, am I, am I, do I need to sleep on this a little bit more? You do it in five weeks, and they forget why it's so urgent, why it's mm-hmm. so important to get it done. So we're trying to really get that back to two weeks. And so if you didn't get an opportunity to watch a seminar, we don't have one for another five weeks planned out there. So you can go online and you can watch our seminar and you can come in and book an appointment. And uh, like I say, we're trying to get closer to that two-week turnaround. You go to yuma.law mm-hmm. and you can watch our seminar. Just as importantly, you can go to yuma.law and you can uh, listen to our podcast, shows that you missed in the past, all the shows that we've done over the past couple of years, you can click on and listen to your favorite topics there. We need to take a break. We'll be back. This is Life, Death, and the Law. Coming up, more thought-provoking conversations on life, death, and the law right after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back to Life, Death, and the Law. We're talking about 23andMe, or in general, DNA testing, and finding out who your family is, who your ancestors are. If you don't have a well-documented family tree or perhaps um, you've had some dalliances out there, you might find that your family tree has got a few more branches or roots than you uh, understood. And we see that regularly on an estate planning basis where clients come in and they were certain that they were naming all of their children. And then a year later, they come back and say, oh, we forgot about so-and-so or didn't forget about them, but learned about them. Um, when... I was going through law school. Um, We were trying for our third child. Now, I know that in and of itself sounds a bit insane, but (laughs) it was the right time for us, and um, we had trouble getting pregnant on our own, my wife and I. So I I find that interesting that people always say we, and so I I go along with it. She's the one getting pregnant, right? You didn't do the work. I'm... (laughs) Just a step higher than a bystander here in this situation. <laughs> but um, she's get, she, we were working on getting her pregnant, and um, I was participating. Yeah. There you go. You got your participation go. trophy right there. Yeah. And uh, so it wasn't working. And uh, we went through this fertilization treatment where, you know, she got all these hormone injections, and she had to go through this roller coaster of emotions, and we did artificial insemination. And uh, when we went in, 
to do the process, there was um, a couple other people in there, and, and one was this, this very large, bald, hairy guy. And, um, you know, he comes out from his donation process, and she looks at me, and she's like, they had better label those jars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, we'll see. I was like, we'll see. If, we, if the Russian roulette comes out the, the other way, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so we went through that process, and uh, we had our third child. And then um, through medical advice, we were told it's going to be very difficult for you to ever have children on your own, even through um, this assistance, through this fertilization um, assistance process. So um, we resigned to the fact that we were going to have three kids. And then the stars aligned. We adopted a fourth child. And after that, she got pregnant on her own. Well, not on her own. It wasn't, it wasn't a <laughs> It's like you weren't a bystander, yet. sir. Yeah. <laughs> She got pregnant. And <laughs> participated. Uh, so there, there was a bonus baby. And then two years later, or three years later, another bonus baby. And at that point, I said, okay, doctor, first of all, you were wrong on whether or not we get pregnant on our own. Now we need to have some intervention here. So um, that, that happened. Honestly, I hear that story quite often. Do you label their Christmas um, presents bonus baby? Uh-huh. Bonus baby one and bonus baby two. At least it's bonus baby and not an uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, my wife and I have both have different terms for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's what happened with us, and um, it, it's it's interesting because we know that that has happened. That there have been mix-ups, and more likely than not, there have been other relationships out there that resulted in children, and these mm-hmm. um, DNA tests are are bringing that to light, and so. With a DNA test for a court-ordered DNA test to determine whether or not a father is going to be responsible for child support, Savannah, you said that um, it costs... It's $400 in Yuma County, at least. I'm not sure anywhere else, but Yuma County, $400 just to go get a DNA test on that child. Uh-huh. And and 23andMe is like 150 bucks or something like that? With the extended package, it's 199 Okay, so I don't know. Why, why wouldn't they just do a 23andMe... I don't know. I'm wondering if it has to do with they want certainty. Chain of custody and, yeah. type thing. They want to know exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the, it's um, the, the website boasts that it will find you genetic markers that will uh, that are similar to you. That doesn't mean that they're mm-hmm. incredibly related to you. So I oh. think that might be why they don't go that option. The court doesn't rely on the 23andMe yes. commercial option. And Thank they, goodness. <laughs> yeah. And the court, of course, when you go get a DNA test here locally, they swab both the parent and the child. So you're, it's, you must oh, have the child yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but for $400 to say, yeah, I'm sorry, you have to pay a child support. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is <you> know. your child. <laughs> or on the flip side, you know, 23Me, $199 to mm-hmm. find out, hey, I get to inherit from that person that, you know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't the know. The flip I side had. is it's like, yeah, there's a genetic marker here. So now, like, I was like, they're dead. So this is my, the only thing I got that says, hey, I'm kind of related to them. So. Do I get something? <laughs> right. Well, there is a law out there that if you haven't um, established some type of relationship while they were alive, as far as not relationship as in, you know, how are you doing and I'm your kid, mm-hmm. but um, done the DNA test, then that is a type of statute of limitation. That So mm-hmm. if you haven't established it during their lifetime, 
that you are their child through a DNA test, then you can't afterwards claim. And so for people that feel like this this is going to be an open Pandora's box forever, <laughs> no, there is a closing point. You do have to do the DNA test while your father or mother is alive to be linked to that person. Um, is that... I'm sorry, is that just for Arizona, or is that a national... Uh, that's Arizona. I don't oh. know what it is in other states. Yeah, every state has its own law. And and Arizona is unique as well as far as um, whether or not the child gets to adopt from the biological parent. Because in some states, if, it, if a child is adopted out, it severs the rights um, of both the child and the parent. I don't understand how that could be, though, because you can't really sever a child's right, in, in, in theory to their parent who gave birth to them. But legally, it does make things cleaner. And you would think that if you're going through the process of having a suitable parent adopt your child and the court is, is uh, awarding that adoption to the adoptive parents, and then that would close the matter. So I, I see both sides of the argument. I don't know which one is right. I just know what the law is, and that is that you can't sever a child's right to inherit from their biological parents. That That's if they're uh, minors, right? Or, or is that like... Well, that, that, that's point. total. You can't do it. Oh. Um, once they're um, adults, then the, the parent no longer has a responsibility to oh, provide okay. for their care. So they can still inherit as an heir, so you still might need to specifically disinherit them and you can you can't disinherit a minor child okay gotcha disinherit them and their descendants because what if that person passed oh that's true forward that's true so if you're out there doing your own will on you know rocket lawyer or or lawyers.com or whatever it is it's out there now you got to remember that there are a lot of of moving parts about this and so if you disinherit the child but not their descendants Mm -hmm. then what happens is a disinherited child just under the law is treated as a a child who's been is deceased predeceased you and it goes naturally through the law to their their children they call them their issue Mm -hmm. and so their children would inherit that child's share so you've got to be very specific about it's the child and any descendants Mm -hmm. from that child and I've seen that before with the, you know, the online print it yourself. They come in with their wills. They're like, I already have a will. And it's a two-page document. I'm like, where'd you get this? Right. <laughs> this doesn't tell me much. And it doesn't even cover, it's crazy how it doesn't even cover, like in Arizona, you have to um, have a bond if it's not waived, right? And I've seen some printed out and it has no mentioning of a bond. Yeah, and the bond is a pain in the neck. A bond is an insurance policy that you've got to get that when you're appointed as a personal representative, you provide an insurance policy with the court that says if you don't handle the assets of the estate properly, the insurance company is going to have to pay all the beneficiaries and potentially creditors of the estate Mm -hmm. what you should have paid using the assets of the estate. And that bond can be expensive, and it can can be difficult to get. You've got to have a good credit score to get that. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that is th- th- that's a that's a deal breaker with somebody serving as a personal representative. They can't get the bond because of some bad credit, and not just bad credit. You know, they check for um, they ask for your employment history. I had one that couldn't get it; she had good credit, but because she wasn't employed, she was a stay-at-home mom. They denied her the bond. Wow! Yeah, I didn't know that though, about the employment history because they have to prove that you're going to be able to pay out if you need to pay out. Yeah, because they're an insurance company, right? They they want their money if you're not going to be able to follow through. Mm-hmm. 
so so what you're saying is like she was wealthy in means mm -hmm. but the insurance didn't have any history of her actually working for said means so like it's like mm -hmm. there's nothing to back up that you will be able to pay us back so mm -hmm. we're saying no well yeah you know the, the credit score is kind of arbitrary in, in its own right they use their own logarithms to determine whether or not you're credit worthy mm -hmm. and um I know that my wife has a much higher credit score than I do. I don't know how that works, but it, it, it's the case. She always does. And so um, that's how it works. But that's with a bond, that's, that's the case. You've got to go through that credit process. So you want to have your affairs in order. You want, honestly, if you can avoid the court altogether, that's the best. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want somebody to inherit from you, you specifically name them in your trust and exclude them as a beneficiary in your trust. Only beneficiaries named in the trust get notice of the distributions of the assets in the trust when it becomes administered upon the death of the trustors, the creators of the trust. And uh, in a will, everybody that is a legal heir gets noticed, and that's whether they're a minor or whether they're an adult, whether they were an oops baby or whether they, you know, whatever, they have to get legal notice, mm -hmm. and um, that can be quite um, a process. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's a good thing, and sometimes it opens a can of worms. It's lengthy. It's costly. It's it's where there's a will, there's a probate. Yeah, that's why trusts are always the way. I mean, that that's when it's published in the newspaper, right? Like the names are in like the legal section. Yeah. Is that right. Okay. So it's so we do that when we can't specifically find the heir when we don't know where they're located. Otherwise, we give them specific notice. We serve the notice on them that listen. This is when the the um, court hearing is going to take place regarding the probate. But if we can't find them, then we have to publish it in the newspaper saying, "If you're out there, we're having a court hearing this day, and you can come and appear." So it's really putting your business out there to the public. When it doesn't have to be. No. no. Yeah. So with a trust, um, what you can do, there, there are a couple options with a trust that, that, that does involve a publication. If you can publish that uh, the estate of the individual that passed away is going to be administered through a trust, and if there are any creditors out there, that they can make a claim. So it's not asking for beneficiaries to try to step forward. It's asking for creditors like, let's say, if there was a car loan or if there was a credit card loan or if there was some private loan that w that was written out, right? It's got to be something that is legally enforceable. Then you can make a claim against the estate. Now, why would you want to do that if you've got a trust that's otherwise private? It's not required under the law for a trust. We give our <laughs> clients the option to do that because it will shorten the length of the opportunity for anybody to make a claim against a trust or the estate to four months as opposed to two years. So the default is two years that after the death of the individual, creditors can come back and make a claim. And if you want to just close that box and close that chapter and move on, then we can publish it in the newspaper and it'll shorten that period to four months. So you can distribute all of the assets of the trust knowing that a creditor can't come after the fact and make a claim because they're barred by the statute of limitations. Mm -hmm. And we have barred them. We've People have came forward five months later or six months later stating, hey, this person owed me money. Here's an itemized statement. I'm sorry. You had four months. You are forever barred. Right. And that happens. It happens on both sides. So it, it's one of those things. That's exactly what we want to do with estate planning is make it clean 
make it very um, possible for them to identify who they want to have their assets, who they want to be in control, um, allow it to occur privately through their family, and then close that chapter and remember their parent, their uncle, their aunt, whoever it is, for who they were instead of dealing with a court process and a big, lengthy legal process. That's all the time that we have for today. This is Life, Death, and the Law. We'll talk to you next week. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. Hey, Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.